There's a signal from another world, a wayward transmission adrift between dimensions, a frequency not found on any normal radio dial. I never believed it was possible until I found the radio on a dirt road in the Pine Barrens. It broadcasts from a reality like our own, but uncanny. Familiar landscapes and places, but through a dream, through a nightmare. You are now a part of the Lost Signal Society. to In the World with Edgar Hamlin. I'm Edgar Hamlin, and we are In the World. We are in the midst of our fall membership drive where we turn to you, the listeners, to contribute what you can to keep this important and valuable programming on the air. Thanks again to my previous guest, Kevin Peter Hall, for the upcoming film Harry and the Hendersons, surely a future greatest film of all time contender. I'd like to introduce my next guest now. He is a noted historian, author, occultist, vampire hunter and parapsychologist. While younger listeners may not be familiar with this name, any child of the 40s and 50s would surely recognize it. He is Dr. Eastwood Ferguson. Dr. Ferguson, you are in the world. Thank you for having me, Edgar, on the show. Oh, Dr. Ferguson, you'll need to move a bit closer to the mic. Oh, I, sorry. I said thank you for having me on the show. Yes, well, it is my pleasure indeed. I have to admit, I had an Eastwood Ferguson figurine on my dresser in my bedroom. Ugh, those wretched things. Hard to come by these days. I remember being so amazed when I found out you were actually a real oxygen-breathing person. Yes, well, I don't breathe as well these days, but I am real. I have a lot I would have liked to ask, but Dr. Ferguson, I'm so sorry we're pressed for time. That is quite all right, Edgar. I rather enjoyed the previous interview with the kind gentleman from the movie with Bigfoot. Uh, But I can attest that the movie does not hold a candle to the real thing. Sasquatch in real life is not quite as gentle. Well, I'm sure you're the man to ask. Okay, right off the bat, what, or who, was the most terrifying monster you've ever encountered? Well, Edgar, that's a difficult question. Let's see. Well, there are very few things more terrifying than seeing a Russian Orthodox Rasophone nun transforming into a werewolf right before your eyes. Are you referring to the uh, werewolf on the Hudson incident of 1956? Good God, man, no. That werewolf was the son of a dock worker at the upper landing in Poughkeepsie. Of course. Uh, So, werewolves... Werewolves are frightening because they are often unpredictable in their behavior. But, at the same time, they're rather (laughs) dim-witted. Like the animals they temporarily embody, they lack intent, intelligence, and motive. They act on instinct. (laughs) No, Edgar. Most terrifying monster I'd have to go with is the obvious choice and say Count Calvarius. Calvarius the Vampire, easily your most notorious opponent. Calvarius was a count from... Vratolina, in the Carpathian Mountains, Romania. Yes, of course. Dr. Ferguson, you spent the better part of the 1950s pursuing him before you finally vanquished him in 1956. Yes, Calvarius and I, we go way back. Well, you've long outlived him. Yes, not without a few setbacks, though. I actually have a recording here my team uncovered from around that time period. 
I hope you aren't too embarrassed by what I'm about to play. It's a radio ad from 1955. Oh, Lord. It's very short, but I will go ahead and play a piece of it here. Greetings, fearless defenders of virtue. This is Dr. Eastwood Ferguson. And I is trusted sidekick, Marianne Dumont. While I'm not traveling the world, vanquishing evil, I'm studying, sharpening my mind like I sharpen a wooden stick. Though his wit is duller than dishwater. You too can fight monsters with my new book, The Creatures Walk Amongst Us. Practical tricks to spotting monsters in your everyday life. Practically the dullest way to spend your money. It's available now at all book retailers. Quite the blast from the past. Listeners might recognize the voice of your sidekick. I'd rather not talk about Marianne Dumont at this point, Edgar. Oh. Yes, uh, yes, of course. So, moving ahead, uh, you were formerly director of the Museum of the Uncanny here in New York until 1981. What's been taking up your time recently? I mostly work at the desk these days. The majority of my work today is focused on research and public awareness. I wanted to touch a bit on your early career, the era of the 1940s and 1950s, when some of your more noted battles took place. Showdown at Castle Calvarius, 1956, the Mummy at the Muppets incident of 1969. Are you still pursuing fiends of the night in this manner? <coughs> well, Edgar, I don't have the stamina it takes to be out in the field. When you're a young, idealistic man like I was, with deeply rooted convictions about the necessity of a fixed morality in society, you're able to stand toe-to-toe with a vampire, as if you yourself were emboldened with some supernatural strength. Equipped with the right knowledge and the right tools, you could hold your own. I'm afraid that these days the shackles of arthritis keep me firmly fettered to a desk where I dedicate most of my time researching and educating the public about the perils of vampirism. And that is what some might call your rather antiquated concept of vampirism. Do you ever wonder if you are wrong about vampires? Never! To me, vampires will always be a destructive force. What we've seen in the past, oh, 15 years is what these fiends have done for centuries. Only now, they have a mass media culture at their disposal. Uh, One moment, Dr. Ferguson. If you love the programming like this on WLSS, then call now to pledge your donation. The phone lines are open. We are in the midst of our fall membership drive, and we need contributions from listeners like you to make these programs possible. You know, Edgar, I'm happy to lend my voice in any way possible to your capital campaign No, that's quite unnecessary, Dr. Ferguson. So, vampires. As I was saying, uh, they've always been able to draw sympathy from certain individuals and use that as a tool of seduction. That's what they are doing today, only on a mass scale. You've been quoted as recently as two years ago as saying, quote, Any species whose very existence is predicated on a parasitic relationship to the human race serves no evolutionary function and therefore should be eradicated. That's right. That is a rather absolute, some might say archaic statement. How do you respond to the vampire renaissance? Vampires today are functioning members of society in most cases. I'm not sure I fully explained myself. Let me elaborate. I believe that the citizens of this country, of the world really, have been conned into believing that one can be both vampire and a decent soul simultaneously. It's nothing short of a mass seduction. The very concept of a vampire goes against any semblance of decency. 
to be a vampire is to lose one's soul. And the more our society accepts them as normal, the closer we edge towards the brink of soullessness ourselves. And ultimately, extinction. Oh, what do you say of the non-predatory vampires? Those who subsist entirely off blood donations from others. The Stefan Delarges of the world. The man to which you refer to solicits blood donations from his legion of hysterical female fans. Dr. Ferguson, I understand your particular vendetta against Stefan Delarge is rooted Mr. in... Mr. Hamlin, I understand the phenomenon and why it is happening. Stefan Delarge and any vampires currently roaming the streets as free citizens are quite literally dead individuals. But ostensibly they live live. It is the dream of man to live forever. Vampirism offers that, at least the illusion of that. The more we as a society accept vampirism as normal, the more vampires will proliferate. More normal people will sign up to have their blood sucked in exchange for the promise of immortality. Then, the more people become vampires, the less fresh blood that will be available to feed them. It's simple economics. Then what? Perhaps we'll have some kind-hearted vampires, but what of those insatiable demented souls? The Calvariuses, the Draculas, the Orlocks, the Yorgas. Those vampires who lust after virgins and prey on the innocent. As the blood source grows scarce, we'll see more predatory vampires and the ratios of human to vampires will tip exponentially towards the side of vampirism until ultimately we'll see the infection of the entire human race with this disease. And then what shall happen when there is no more blood to suck? No more juicy pale necks onto which they could stick their fangs? Well, all the vampires will wither away, bringing the human race with it. Huh. Uh, a uh, rather grim portrait of the future of... Uh, Humanity from my guest, Dr. Eastwood Ferguson. On that note, we've run out of time. If, uh, if you love interviews like this, please contribute today to keep this program on the air. I am a man of science. Yes, I've come face to face with the supernatural, but I also know that that which occurs in the paranormal world functions within the parameters of its own paradigm. But the events that followed when I left the radio station seemed too serendipitous to be mere coincidence. I found myself doubting my own dedication to reason. I wonder if indeed the stars were conspiring against me. I felt something I hadn't felt in years as I walked down the street the morose sensation of hollow eyes staring at me from the clouds. The smell of sour rain filled the air and a cold chill entered my bones. For a second that sounded like, no, no, it, it couldn't be. Perhaps it, it'd be best I take a cab. 96 in Amsterdam, please. Hey, that was the latest from Creature Discomforts off their newest album. Gonna get right into another track here. This one from Rising Star, Marianne Dumont. You hear the latest rumor that she's going out with Stefan Delage? Ain't that a match made in Purgatory, I guess? He is dead but not gone.
excuse me, driver. Eh? Could I trouble you to change this? What's station? that? The song, I, I don't look. Uh, can you just change the station, please? No, no, this is a good one. I just love the voice. You know, my girlfriend and I love to sing this song. For the love of God, man, just change the hey, station. Hey, you can't tell me what to do in my really cab. This asking. is my cab. Yeah, yeah, I know you. I know your type and why you don't like it. Could you I think it's disrespectful. Could you just change? No, no, you know what? It's a rainy night. I'm not going to have any trouble getting another passenger. So how about you get you and your stupid little horcruxes out of my taxi? That song haunted me like a bad dream the entire way home. I entered my building. Just as the rain relented, how could I have failed you for so long, Marianne? Well, there's still some might in these arthritic hands of mine. There's still a chance for this old knight to slay one last- Hi, Mr. Ferguson! Oh, Jesus, Emilia! Do not sneak up on an old man like that! I'm sorry, I heard you coming. You're soaked. Observant girl, aren't you, my dear? You can catch pneumonia in the rain. Pneumonia is caused by infection, not precipitation. Where were you, fighting vampires? What? I heard you on the radio. I listen to public radio, even though the kids at school say it's boring. And I know all about you. You fight vampires, and not just vampires. You hunt mummies and creatures from the Black Lagoons and ghosts. And once you even met Frankenstein's monster, and I asked my dad about you, and he said, he said, you killed a vampire named Calvin. Calvarius. And he also said that you once hunted a vampire that everybody loved named Sanctum, but you said he was evil because you think all vampires are evil, so you killed him by driving a stake through his heart, and now everyone hates you. You dropped your keys. Yes, indeed. I I did. Uh, well, Emilia, you are certainly well informed. What's washed up mean? Good night, Emilia. Like for dinner? Hello there, Fritz. I think I need a drink. I heard her on the radio again. Fritz. Oh, Fritzy. If you could have known her, she was something else. She loved cats. Any animal, really. Greatest student I've ever had. And the worst part, she's with that pseudo-romantic rock star, Stefan the Lodge. I suppose you don't know who that is, do you, Fritz? Let me tell you. Stefan the Lodge is... One of the most rockin' badasses in rock and roll. That was another hit from Stefan de Lodge. And don't worry, doosters and doodlings, we've got another one coming up for you. Welcome back to WNOZ The Noise! I'm your host, Pterodactyl, here with Raptor the Rapper. Yo, yo, yo! We're bringing you the most teeth grinded, face melting, ear popping, nose bleeding, skull crushing, soul sucking music in rock and roll. I promised you another baby dolls, and here's the ladies here from Stefan Delage and the Pale Faces. It's called Soulless. She was alive. Is my soulful heart. Soulless is my soulful heart. Can't see the end. Can't remember the start. 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 If you should go, how will I proceed? I've got no blood, but baby, I still bleed. 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 Ten thousand years I roamed this land. Rockstar, hot drop. Drop. My name 
Vampire. His band has had seven number one hits in the last two years alone. His face blemishes the bedroom wall of innumerable teenage girls around the country. He's also famous for renouncing the rock star lifestyle, choosing clean living or unliving, in his case, over drugs and alcohol. Boys like his music, girls love his body, parents and teachers approve of him. I happen to think he deserves a stake through the heart! His head ripped off and stuffed with garlic, and his body burnt to ensure he can never be revived! But nothing personal, of course. Oh man, what a rocking tune! Another hit from Stefan Delage and the Pale Faces talk about raising the dead, am I right? Two times you didn't just raise the dead, that got him up doing the monster mash. Let's check in with the doc for some news. What you got for us, Doc? Yeah, well, on the topic of vampires, listen, listen to this story out of Transylvania. Uh, grave robbers in a small Romanian village have inadvertently brought back to life the vampire Count Calvarius. Yeah, the bodies of two unidentified men were found next to the empty coffin of the Count and a stake, which apparently had been driven into the Calvarius' heart decades ago, once found a few feet from their bodies. Woo, that's some messed up stuff. Hey, you want to raise the dead, you got to pay the price, honey. I all talk about raising the stakes. Now, authorities aren't saying that Calvarius is back, just that his body is missing. <laughs> well, I for one am excited. This Calvarius, in my opinion, he was really ahead of his time. He was one cool cat or back. It was another era. People didn't necessarily get vampires. They weren't so enlightened as they are today. So when this quote-unquote professor, this self-professed vampire hunter, Westwood, is it? Fergustina. No, no, Ferguson. I got it. I got it. So he goes after Calvarius and kills him in a real cowardly way. Y'all remember Eastwood Ferguson as the man who brutally took out the godfather of Vampire Rock Sanctum back in 1981. Yo, the O.V. Sanctimonious Sanctum, homie. R.I.P. Anyway, Professor Ferguson went from hero to zero real fast. And the only reason that whack job isn't in jail is because vampires were not protected citizens at the time of his crime. And I say, welcome back, Calvarius. It's a whole new world out there, especially for the undead. Hey, let's get to another track. A rap. this one goes out to my man, Calvarius. And if you're listening, here's Sanctum's debut hit from 1979, Vampire Rock. That sensation I felt earlier. I knew there had been an awakening. The man I spent years hunting, stalking him as he preyed on the innocent, brought back by a pair of bumbling tomb raiders. Surely, he would be coming for Marianne. Or... Perhaps more. I remember his face so vividly. His greased hair and his colorless fingers. That laugh I, that laugh I heard in the street. I have to be prepared. I took stock of everything I had. Holy water. Would I need more? When was the last time it had been blessed? Does holy water lose its blessedness after several years? I'll have to make sure my stakes have not been rotted, and that their points are fine. And the crucifixes surely need polishing. <laughs> I rushed to complete my errands to prepare for the evening. I made my final stop at Valerio's produce stand, just to be safe. 
Professor Ferguson, so good to see you. You as well, Valerio. I expect you to come by. Oh? I read about the vampire you killed. He come back. Yes, I've heard. You think he will come for you? You can never be too safe, Valerio. That's why I'm here. Unfortunately, this is not a social call. Ah, capisco, capisco. How much do you need? Two boxes should do it. How much do I owe No, you? no, no, Dr. Ferguson. Today, this is on me. You are a good friend, Valerio. Oh, and, and, and don't worry about what the papers say about you. I know you're not a bumbling idiot. Ah, uh, thanks, Valerio. Ciao, Dr. Ferguson. Night fell as I raced home. I'd have to get there to secure the apartment. But that's when I saw her. Marianne. Sitting there on the curb outside my apartment. I picked up my pace and hurried towards her. <sighs> no, it wasn't her. It was the girl. Hi, Mr. Ferguson. Dear, you'll catch a cold sitting out here. Does your father know you're out here? My goodness, what happened to your eye? It's all bruised. He's not home. It's just me and my brother up there, and he could be a real jerk sometimes, so I came down here. Your brother did that to your eye? No, not, not him. Where does your father go? He goes away once a month. Your father is a petty officer, beat cop, but he goes away for work? That's right. Special cases, I think. Do you like the picture I drew? What's this? That's me, and my brother, and my dad. It's very good, but your father does not have a beard. Sometimes he does. I see. Well, a rainy city curb is no place for a young girl. You should go inside before you catch a cold. What's all the garlic for? Uh, I'm making a sauce. <gasps> I bet it's vampires. Mr. Ferguson, can you teach me how to fight monsters? I'm sorry? I want to fight monsters. You know, vampires, mummies, Frankensteins, werewolves, mostly werewolves. You are a bit young for that, my dear. I can recommend some books that can educate you on the topic of supernatural beings. In fact, I've written a seven-volume set on the history of vampirism. But perhaps a more succinct introductory volume might be my general history <sighs> of the parrot. I read all the time. I read everything at the school library, and I'm so bored with all the books in my school. I actually want to learn hands-on. Like, how do you make a stick? How do you know if you put a stick through a vampire's heart? Or just a real person, because I think anybody would die if you put a stake through their heart. But also, where do I get silver bullets? And I want to learn to read hieroglyphics so I can undo a mummy's... Curious head. young lady you are. Perhaps someday, my dear. But for now, I recommend you come inside. These streets are not safe at night. There's not many places for a young girl at night. I'll be okay, Mr. Ferguson. There was something different about the child. Precocious. She always was, but something about her seemed determined. I made a mental note to talk to her father later on about leaving her unattended. Tonight, though, there was much to prep. Good evening, Fritzy. Settle down. We'll get you some dinner. Fritz, aren't you in an anxious mood? Strange, I don't remember leaving the window open. <laughs> Calvarius! Be gone, fiend of the night! Good evening, Ferguson. Now I will have the absolute pleasure of ending your pathetic and pitiful life. <sighs> ah, this may be the finest drink. <laughs> I 
can't. I can't do it. Um, the power of Christ compels you. Wait, Ferguson, stop. I don't want to kill you. You think I'm so foolish to fall for your traps? Ferguson, stop. You're hurting me. The power of Christ compels you. Ferguson, I did not come here to fight you. Just stop. Okay, yes. Up until a few seconds ago, I had every intention of killing you, but now I realize... <sighs> Put that wretched crucifix away! Never! I shall send you once again to the depths of- Oh, My hip! Ferguson, I don't want to fight you. I have nowhere else to go, okay? I've got nowhere else to go. I've been back for three days and I can't make sense of anything! I'm sorry I frightened you, old friend. I suppose I could have just come in the front. We aren't friends, Calvarius. You were, you are, my arch-nemesis. Ah, uh, and you are mine. Can't you see? This is why I could not bring myself to kill you just now. What happened to me? Nothing makes sense anymore. I remember we were fiercely entangled in a grapple, you and I, and you removed your stake from your belt. And I reached out to rip your throat straight from your neck. Next thing I know, I wake up in a tomb with two bumbling commoners trying to take this ring off my finger, and the year is 1987. <gasps> Wait, did you kill me? Well done, old friend. <laughs> and you wasted no time. You killed those two grave robbers. I needed a drink. 30 years in a box. 31 years. It's all so different, Ferg. At first, I was happy to Do be back. Do not call me Ferg. But I can't seem to make sense of anything. First off, there are good vampires? What is this? And this style, you would not believe the stares I got walking down the street in this outfit. What is wrong with this outfit? Everyone is in leather and metal objects impaled on every face. In the 50s, I was the definition of sex appeal. I don't think you surely was... remember. And now I can't seem to adapt. You know, the other day I went into one of these supermarkets and I saw this chocolate marshmallow cereal box with a vampire on it. I never felt so ridiculed in all my life. Everyone stared at me walking down the street as if I was some circus freak. It's a different world. The world embraces freaks now. I went to find Marianne. You stay away from her! I tracked her down to the city. I couldn't believe it. She looked exactly the same. I thought for sure you or one of your students would have done her in. You never did understand my love for her. And you never will. I was trying to save a soul. You simply lusted after her. I failed. I was too late to save her, and now her soul belongs to the undead. Forever cursed to live a life amongst the musty cellars, a shadowy stalker, one who sleeps among the spiders and the rats and the scorpions. Ah, all that is years and you still talk like this. Well, she doesn't belong to you, just any undead. She shacked up with some musician in a painted house in this iron forest you call New York. Some vampire named Steve. Stefan. I listened to some of his records. Not bad. They call him the heartthrob with no heartbeat. Though I failed to see what is so alluring about him. Surely he possesses none of the grace, the elegance, the ornateness, or the mesmeric qualities that I have. I went there, you know. Where? To their painted house apartment. I thought once she sees me again, she will remember the love we had. I saw her outside the building. You know what she said? She is like, so glad I am back and like totally hopes we can be friends. Her love was supposed to be eternal, Ferguson. What happened? She's had 30 years to move on. 31. 
What of the rest of the gang from the old days? Talbot, the wolfman! A full moon out tonight, surely he must be out. A full moon, of course. The girl. Ferguson! I said, what of Talbot? He's still around. Mostly does film and carny work. They've managed to control the werewolf epidemic. Werewolves at the circus? My god! And what of uh, Taras Hotep, the mummy? Uh, yeah. He continued to reappear from time to time until roughly 1973 or so, when I finally vanquished him by uncovering the sacred scrolls that held the spell that broke his curse. He instantly auto-pulverized into nothingness. Well, 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 another great victory for the much-lauded monster hunter Eastwood Ferguson, I suppose. <sighs> Not quite, actually. Um, the British Museum felt that Taras was of invaluable scientific importance and filed charges against me for destruction of museum property and desecration of culturally significant items. I paid $15,000 in fines. I see. You know, looking around this room, I can't help but take a note of uh, the rather humble living quarters this is for such a distinguished professor as yourself. I'm doing just fine, Calaveras. What did they used to call you? Um, ah, a confirmed bachelor. Yes, I love this term. What do you think? Look around. Never did find someone for your taste. Okay, just stop. What? What? Just having an intimate conversation with an old colleague. My work took me all over the world and plopped me smack in the middle of some of the most perilous situations. These weren't exactly trips to Disneyland. Where? Disneyland with the... It doesn't matter. Besides, there was only one woman who ever mattered. And I lost her. Dito. You know, I had every intention of killing you tonight. But then what will I have? I suspect, Calvarius, that you shall have no problem finding a place in this world. Today, there are good vampires, sympathetic vampires, tortured artist vampires, as if their inner torment somehow excused the fact that they preyed on human blood. I see through them all. My opinion never changed with the times. Unfortunately, most of the public's opinion did change. And that, and that has been my downfall. This is no world for a, a guy like me. A sad state when there are no more ghouls to slay. Oh, there are plenty of ghouls to slay, except I'm the only one who wants to slay them. Back in 1982, I went after a rock and roll star, a vampire rock and roll star. Not unlike Stefan Delarge, he called himself Sanctum. Teenage girls were entirely taken in by his trance. Everyone was. But I knew he was simply using his music to suck the blood from the youth. So what did you do? Perhaps not the most classy of things. I, uh, I shot him with a steak launcher while he performed at a popular music festival. Hit him right through the heart in front of a thousand of his fans. Then, to ensure that no clumsy grave robbers didn't inadvertently bring him back, I decapitated him, as I should have done with you, and stuffed his head full of garlic. It didn't go over too well with the press, or the general public at all. The tide turned against me after that. I was deemed too old-fashioned, and fell out of the public's good graces. 
my books, out of print, my methods, no longer taught. I was too toxic to teach occult studies. I, I agreed to step down, and the university agreed to keep me on, simply as a researcher. Though these days, my claims and findings generally fall on deaf ears. Say, how about a drink, old friend? We are not friends, Calvarius. Thanks, a toast to guys like us, for whom this is no world. I never understood the appeal of whiskey. To be honest, I don't either. Nor did I ever think I'd drink in the presence of a vampire. Thins the blood, you know. I've always wondered, what does it taste like? Whiskey. Blood. Well, life, of course. Rejuvenation, fire, lust. Mostly like iron, though. Do you ever miss it? Iron? I was always able to get them from the vitamins that I had. Life! Ah. I do, but it is no longer an option. That is the choice I made a long, long time ago. Being undead is better than the alternative. I've always said it's a fate worse than death. Well, you wouldn't know that, would you? Tell me something. Is it really all about her? Do you really care? Say, Ferguson, I had a thought. Seeing as we both find ourselves in the same spot, what do you say you and I form an alliance? Put aside our differences momentarily and work together to bring down this Stefan. No, 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 never. Ferguson, we want the same thing. Do we? I don't want to be Stefan de Large. Fame and fortune, these things do not motivate me. What then? I mean, afterwards. Then we shall see. I intend to release Marianne from her state of living death. And we will discuss that matter when it comes to it. If we did this, if we did this, and once it's done, we go back to being arch enemies. The archiest of enemies, of course. The world really has changed, hasn't it? Well, let's settle it with a with another drink. Ow! What happened? Oh, I, I cut myself on a chip in this glass. I should have been more careful. He instantly saw the blood on my hand and he lunged at me. Surely he needed his thirst quenched and could not resist himself. Fortunately, I hadn't lost too much of my agility. I immediately grabbed the bottle of holy water and threw it in his face. <laughs> he covered his face as the steam escaped through his fingers and then instantly he transformed into a battened flapped his wings rapidly around my apartment before flying out of the window and into the foggy night over the cityscape. I rushed to the window and I stared as he disappeared into the night's fog. Mr. Ferguson? Mr. Ferguson, was that a good vampire or a bad vampire? That, my dear Amelia, was the baddest vampire there ever was. Tell me, my dear. Do you still want to learn how to fight monsters? Soulless is my soulful heart Can't see the end Can't remember the start Can't remember the start Can't remember the start Can't remember the start Can't remember the start, remember the start. If you should go, how will I proceed? 
seed I've got no blood, but baby, I still bleed I still bleed, I still bleed, I still bleed, I still bleed Ten thousand years I roam this land From town to town my name is banned Just one sunset would turn me to sand But I've let it happen just to take your hand Who needs the sun when I've got your light? 